Welcome to the Unquote Show. Today is Thursday, August 16th, and we are coming to you back in LA um, for our second podcast of the week. After a very needed vacation, I must say. Absolutely. We, uh... We're back in, in the grind and the groove of things, both in our regular work lives and in our podcasting lives. So we're going to go back to the old format with some sports and some other assorted activities today. But we would like to thank Josh for that wonderful wire talk last week. That was a good talk. That was that was a fun episode. I think we should have more guests, Paul. Why don't we have more guests? We should. We're not that interesting to talk on our own, you know. I know. Incorporate some other people in here. Nobody wants to call. In. If you want, if you want to call in, you should let us know because we'd love to have you. <laughs> if you have something interesting. To Whoever say, you are, even if we don't know you, it's fine. Exactly. Just call in. Today we're gonna start with some baseball. We're gonna start with the NL West. The Giants and Dodgers are playing right now. The Giants are up six to two. And if they win tonight, they have the opportunity to grab sole possession of first place in the NL West. Um, but you know, Colorado has been charging hard, and to be honest, I'm more worried about Colorado at this point than San Diego. You think San Diego's definitely going to fall out? Uh, I, I actually think they're going to be there till the end. I actually think all three teams are going to kind of stick around. But if I had to tell you which one I'm more scared of, it would definitely be the Rockies, just because playing at Coors is always really tough. The lineup with Tulowitzki and uh, oh, Chin Lung Carlos is awesome. Okay. He's ahead of mine. <laughs> Um, we we have the Dodger game on in the background. The Dodger Giants are playing right now. It's top of the fifth, and Chin Lung Hu just got a hit, which is always fun. It but is. anyway, yeah. The, Thanks the, for the getting Rock- me sidetracked. Sorry, <laughs> the Rockies are really scary because not only do they have cargo, but Tulo is on an absolute tear in September. Yeah. He's got like eleven home runs in a month. He's got eleven in thirteen games. He's just bombing the his ball. His ERAs or not his ERA. His OPS is like fourteen hundred this month. This <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absurd. And uh, he's definitely the type that can carry that offense for a while. So uh, it's a little bit, little bit frightening. And that's why, honestly, there's no one in San Diego besides Adrian Gonzalez that can do that. And that's why Colorado frightens me more. And uh, you know, that's I, I actually though at this point I feel like the Giants are pretty well set up. The the real key is just if if Lincecum continues to deal the way he's been the way he's been throwing um i think the giants will be in good shape so yeah see. the offense it's, seems to be pretty stable now well i mean even though they have a stretch where they've yeah they've actually they haven't been scoring a lot of runs run. but you know yeah they, they had a stretch <laughs> in the last nine games they've scored one run or fewer in five of them so it's kind of like all or nothing at this point for the giants you know okay well uh how, how do you feel about your daughters right now steve well, yeah, let's talk about the Dodgers for a bit. The the Dodgers are out of it. The season is over. It's We're just spoilers at this point. So I've given up all hope on the season, and I'm looking towards next year. And I'm trying to take away good things that I can feel about going into next season. And so I've come up with a, a list. It's a very short list because there's not a lot. <laughs> so number one on the list is that Ker- Clayton Kershaw has emerged as a true ace. He's got an ERA under three. He's thrown over 200 innings. He's over 200 strikeouts now, and he's one of the dominant pitchers in the NL. So I'm very looking forward to watching him over the next 10 years or however long he's in a Dodger uniform. Uh, the other thing is Chad Billingsley has rebounded from an awful second half last year and a terrible first half this year, and he's actually... I mean, he's really only had one bad month this year. He's kind of had a rebound season. His ERA is in the mid threes, 
and he's become a solid pitcher again, which is very refreshing if you consider how he was at the end of last season where he dropped out of the rotation completely. And the third thing is that we found Kenley Jansen, who looks like a complete stud right now, and he's blowing everyone away. And I'm going to be looking forward to see if he can move up to that closer's position pretty soon because you know Broxton is out of it. And Hong Chi Kuo, you never know with him whether he's going to blow his arm out any minute. So those are the three things. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing how they play out next season. But it other sounds than like that, your pitching should be. In, it yeah. sounds like your pitching should be in good shape. I mean, yeah. If this, if they, I don't know if they're going to bring back like Padilla and Lily and these guys. You know, if Padilla can keep from shooting himself in the leg, I, I think it would be okay to bring him back for a low reduced price. And, and Ted Lilly has pitched relatively well, but he's probably going to command a lot of money. So I'm not sure if the the divorce is going to be resolved by then. I'm not sure if the McCourts are going to be able to afford Ted Lilly. But you know, from the young pitcher's standpoint, I think we're doing pretty good. That sounds fair. Um, I think that your lineup has some uh, issues. What's up with Matt Kemp kind of just feeling... I mean, I feel like he's not even really there half the time. Yeah, the lineup is... I mean, you never would have thought that, right? Considering, like, a year, a year and a half ago, the Dodgers had the best lineup in the National League. Now it's in a complete disarray. You know, Manny never recovered. He got hurt over and over again without the juice. And Matt Kemp has fallen off the planet. And Andre Ethier hurt his pinky, and he hasn't been the same. So, you know, I'm really worried about the offense. I don't know how – I mean, we're going to have to try and sign a left fielder this offseason because we're not going to be able to plug Jay Gibbons in there every day next year. So I don't know <laughs> what we're going to do. Um, how do you feel? I know you just talked about how great your pitching is. How do you feel about uh, James McDonald biting it up for the Pirates? He's just pitching like an ace almost. Yeah, he's got an ERA of like three and a half in eight starts for the Pirates, which is more starts than the Dodgers ever gave him, by the way. And you know, I feel like maybe if they would have given him a stable spot in the rotation for a while just to try and prove himself, you know, he would have done better. But they didn't, and they traded him away for Octavio Dotel, who's probably going to leave at the end of the season. You know, it was a complete waste of trade in retrospect. It actually makes me really, really angry. <laughs> it makes that, me more. That was a, it makes me angrier than the Carlos Santana trade that, because Casey Blake actually has some value, whereas Octavio Dotel is completely worthless. Right. Well, I think that was a pretty bad trade because. Like you said, Casey Blake was a big piece to, for the playoff push, and like you've said before, at least he helped you get. The, at least he helped you get there. Um, whereas Dotel, I think it was pretty clear that wasn't really going to do much for the Dodgers, and it, they gave up two pretty good pieces in Lambeau and McDonald to get him. So. Yeah, I mean, at the time we traded for him, it was a pretty long shot for us to make the playoffs. I mean, we still had a little bit of hope, but then you know, you know, we get him a few weeks later, then they give Manny away, and then it's pretty much, you know, given up on the season. It really doesn't make much sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, Lambo is still projected to be a future. I mean, he was going to make the big leagues one of these days. He probably still... He's been pretty bad lately, luckily yeah, for you. Yeah, I mean... His last two weeks, he's at like 056, 056, 056. <laughs> so you well, might be okay on that one. He's got the tools, but, you know, James McDonald, even at the major... James McDonald level, has given you more... Has given the Pirates more in this year than 
you would ever get from Bozell, even if you like re-signed him for another year or two. Right. It never made any sense. Even as a reliever at the major league level, James McDonald was a quality pitcher. So I don't see why they just gave up on him so easily. Yeah, and luckily for you guys, Canley Jansen came in and did what Dotel was supposed to do in the first place, probably. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a tough situation. Um, I think the NL West is actually going to be pretty competitive for the next, you know, three or four years. There's a lot of teams with, um, a lot of young talent. You know, uh, the Rockies, obviously that whole lineup with Tulo Cargo and then Jimenez, Chassin, De La Rosa. That's a pretty good nucleus they have. Um, and the Padres can't, I mean, they've overachieved, but they shouldn't really get worse because Latos and Richard and, um, you know, some of those guys should be pretty good for a while. So. Yeah, but you I think know, it's it's really evened out. I mean, yeah, the the Padre, I think the Giants and the Rockies are going to be competing next year. I, I think the Padres are kind of a fluke. I don't feel like their bullpen is going to be as good as they are this year or next year. And you know, John Garland can't pitch as well as he has. And, That's true. That's you know, true. their offense is still going to be abysmal. So I don't I, I yeah, don't think yeah. San Diego is going to be in it next year. That's that's my early San- prediction. San Diego gets no love, no respect from us. I thought the whole time they were going to choke, although they did, I didn't think they'd choke with 10th straight. But, yeah, it's the middle um, of September. We still think they're a fluke, <laughs> and they're still in first place. They're still a fluky, <laughs> and they are still in first place. But not, uh, Let's move on to uh, a scandal in the Jets locker room. I don't even know how to say her name. Is it Inez Sines, like Olmedo yes. Sines, but Olmedo Sines. much hotter. Much, much hotter than Olmedo, yes. Inez Signs basically filed a, like a complaint or a protest of some sort saying that she was in the Jets locker room and, you know, she was being like inappropriately harassed and talked to, um, as a female reporter for some Mexican station. Um, it was TV what are your thoughts? Azteca, I think it was, you know, the reputable TV Azteca. I don't know. Yeah. Oh God, that ball is gone. Oof, Gian, that's a bomb. Man, you're, Jose you're, you're just like, ripped one in the left field stands. You're like oh, two man. seconds ahead of me. <laughs> really? Is it really that? Is it really that maybe, much? Maybe of the one play? second. Okay. Anyway. Said, oh man, and then that the pitch came. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, anyway, go on. But yeah, Inez signs. I mean, look, I I don't want to say it. It feels kind of chauvinistic to say that. She was asking for it, the but you just have to look at the way she dresses, and you know that she knows she looks sexy, and that she's exploiting that fact to, you know, get herself in the locker room. I mean, she's presenting herself not as a serious reporter, but as a bimbo, basically. And you know what? I don't care if that makes me seem chauvinistic. I, I feel like she is asking for it by the way that she dresses, the way that she interacts with players. I mean, they showed that. They showed those pictures of her last year at the Super Bowl going around and touching everyone's biceps, you know, trying to find out who had the strongest arm. I mean, it, the whole thing is so sexual with her, and so you can't really be surprised when something like this happens. I I know what you mean. I uh, Obviously, I think she's very prov- provocative and suggestive, and she probably brings a lot of that upon herself. At the same time, I kind of feel like as anyone who's been in, like, a locker room you know, can attest to you. There's like some very minimum threshold where you just kind of expect harassment to some degree. Right. You mean even other guys, if you're like an unattractive female reporter, 
you should still expect to get harassed because that's just the mentality of the locker room. Right. Even so, guys get harassed in the locker room. Everyone gets harassed. You know, that's what a locker room is. It's a bunch of idiots, you know, doing stupid shit. That's just how locker rooms are. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, obviously maybe she brought some of this upon herself. And uh, but at the same time, I think that there's like an unspoken code where it's you're kind of expected to tolerate a certain amount of vulgarity you know i'm sure if you pulled all the other reporters i'm sure they all have tons of stories that they would love to share but won't because of their professional jobs so it's hard to take it too seriously especially when you know that she acts the way she does right it's just annoying when people make her a martyr like oh what a terrible thing that happened to her when really you know if you read what actually happened to her it, it was really nothing it was like them throwing passes in her direction because they wanted to be closer to her you know Right. It wasn't like what – did you see what Ray Maluga did to Aaron Andrews? Yeah, it wasn't years? even as bad as that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That was – I mean that was pretty blatant. I could see – if I was her, I'd be kind of upset at that. Yeah, um, that was offensive. That was pretty offensive. This, I mean I, I haven't really read too much into this, but I don't think it's nearly as bad. So I guess we'll have to see. I love how Clinton Portis had some like – some moderately strong comments to say, and then the next day he's like, I didn't mean it. Yeah. You know, I take everything back. That was my bad. <laughs> Which actually means someone made me apologize. So Paul here I Roger am Goodell, like throwing down the gauntlet to <laughs> yeah. making him apologize. Um, speaking of football, uh, we are now into our second week of the NFL season and into our third week of college football. I have not watched a lot of football, but I will tell you that apparently UCLA is terrible. Yeah, we're 0 and 2, and we got slaughtered 35 to nothing by Stanford this past weekend. So it's not looking good. Probably not going to be in a bowl game this year. No, probably not. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's all doom and gloom yet, but at the same time, you know, those were two. Well, at least the K-State game was pretty winnable, and to lose by 35 at home and get shut out is pretty bad. So um, we'll see if Kevin Prince can turn it around because apparently he's going to be starting week three again. And really, it's sad that we don't have anyone better. Yeah, well, I, I think there's there's two issues here. One is that, first of all, both Brijo and Prince are young. They're both still sophomores. And in a lot of places, a sophomore quarterback wouldn't really be doing very well anyway. That said, the worrisome thing for me with Prince is that he just can't stay healthy. Like, he's had, you know, he had the jaw when he got cracked at the goal line. His knee, obviously, was blown up in high school. He's had shoulder issues, back problems. I mean... I'm getting to the point where it's just like I'm going to expect him to be hurt like 60% of the time. And he's not good enough. He's not like good enough to skip a week of practice, come in and like be strong and sharp. Right. So at some point, someone's got to make a call where it's like you got to either stay healthy or we got to go a different direction. And the offense isn't good enough to go like 50-50, like a timeshare situation. They need to pick a quarterback and have that quarterback be out there the whole time. Right. And really this has been – you know, in, the, in recent history, this has been a plague of UCLA quarterbacks. You know, starting with ever True. since Ben Olsen, none of them have been able to stay healthy. True. Maybe it's a testament to how bad the line is. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> that, that might be the one constant throughout. <laughs> um, the line has been historically bad for years. It has, yeah. Although uh, the running game this year... Again, I haven't watched a single snap, but statistically, the running game looks pretty decent. So, yeah, we'll we'll Maybe, have to uh, see, you know, when we actually go to a game, because we're, we're we I think we are going to go to a game, um, pretty soon here, right? Is it? Yeah. Next weekend. Well, there's, there's Houston this weekend. I don't know if we're going. Yeah, it doesn't seem like we're going to that. So, whenever the next 
home game that we feel like tailgating. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the NFL, NFL sense, uh, you know, we're into into week two here now, and uh, in a similar situation for me, I know not for you, but the Niners got destroyed thirty-one to six by by Pete none other Carroll. Than Pete Carroll Seahawks. Which oh, how is, awful! It that one just really eats me up. I mean, that just that hurt. It's like a double whammy. Like losing that badly and then losing to Pete Carroll's team? What a joke. And Mike Singletary thanked Pete Carroll in the postgame presser. What did he say? He said, I want to thank Pete Carroll for beating our brains in. It'll help us in the long run. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there. It's the Crabtree curse, Paul. I, I saw I saw that article you sent me. The Niners are 8-5 and five with Without Crabtree and five and eight with him since the start of last season. Right. Ever uh, since they gave in to him and gave him the money and ended his holdout, they have been in a they have been a below average team. And I don't think that is an accident. You know, Vernon Davis, the captain, who used to be a problem child himself, you know, had to go and talk to Crabtree and basically yelled at him a couple weeks ago. This guy is obviously a prima donna wide receiver. You know, one of those prototype wide receivers who needs the ball, wants the ball all the time, and can't shut his damn mouth. And yeah, I, I mean, he hasn't yeah. really been as outspoken as guys like Tio and Ocho Cinco and stuff like that. But at, right, at least time, we don't hear about it. Yeah, you know? I mean, but at the same time, there are other ways of being a negative influence than speaking out to the media. I mean, if he's body language or work ethic isn't there, which isn't necessarily true by all accounts, is a great, you know, great workout fiend, but uh. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's a little bit weird that the Niners have sucked so much since Crabtree came. I wouldn't call it a curse per se, but <laughs> if he keeps going down this route, I will. <laughs> um, but it's nice to have football back in general. It's definitely uh, means falls here. That's always fun. Yeah, yeah. You know what else comes with fall? What else comes with fall, Steve? TV is coming back. TV is coming back. Now, how excited are you for that, Paul? I am uh, I'm not as excited as you, <laughs> but I'm excited. Well, how many shows uh, do you have right now that you watch regularly? Honestly, like on a like week to week basis. On a week to week basis, yeah. I watch Entourage and I watch Twenty Four, and neither of those are in the fall. <laughs> so you have nothing on the slate. Um, I mean, I'll probably watch Friday Night Lights now. Right. Yeah, that comes uh, back in about a month, I think. Right. So I mean, you've gotten me hooked on that, so I'll probably watch that. Uh, other than that, honestly, Entourage just finished its season this Sunday. Did you see the season finale? Was that? I didn't realize that was the finale. Okay, yeah, that yeah was I the saw. last episode. It was actually. I thought it was a good season. Yeah, I thought it was very good. I they, thought it was one of their best ones. They took a good direction with Vince, and they did. That was Ari. a great direction. Gave him, I, gave him some actual problems, not like you know, oh, Vince cut his hair. Well, the director liked it. Exactly. You know? They made him. They made him spiral and. And it was one of those things where, like, it wasn't – he didn't just hit rock bottom. He just kind of, like, slowly degraded. Yeah, you could s- people, yeah, you could see it episode by episode. You could see him gradually declining. Right. And the people that, you know, kind of got him started on it, you know, like Scotty and Sasha and stuff, even they were, you know, kind of worried, you know. And that's that's always yeah. a good sign when it's, like, not just, like, the bad influence of friends, but then, like, the bad influences realize that even he's going, like, too far and, like, too far for them. Yeah, yeah. So, also a lot of uh, several appearances by Kevin Love this season. 
Yeah, and Jordan uh, Farmer there got, Jordan, getting into a fight. Did, how, was how Jordan, did Jordan Farmer the one kicking Vince? <laughs> I That's tell. what I thought. I couldn't tell either. <laughs> um, I'm surprised Jordan Farmer was in there. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, Minka Kelly, too. Minka Kelly, Eminem. Eminem yeah. did a great job. Eminem. A lot uh, of good cameos this year. Well, yeah, I mean, this this whole season, I feel like, was just full of cameos. Because you had, you even had Christina Aguilera in the last one, also. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Cleese. And uh, <laughs> it's it's always fun to see those actors uh, kind of come out of their shell a little bit and yeah, put and them in a, a different Play a caricature of themselves. That's always exactly. fun. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so what are you excited for? Well, I wanted to go through the schedule and point out what shows that I'm looking forward to and what shows look like they're going to be canceled in about two episodes. Um, so if we start with Monday night and work our way through the week... Um, this might be a narrative for you, by the way, because I'm not sure I can keep up with you, but go on. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, How I Met Your Mother on CBS. That's a great show. Do you watch that? I've watched, I don't watch, like, I don't watch consistently, but I've watched it before. Yeah, I used to not watch it, and I, I just started watching it, like, two or three seasons ago. Yeah, it's, it's quite entertaining. Um, it used to be followed by The Big Bang Theory, but right, they're, moving I've seen that those. To, uh, they're moving that to Thursday nights. Okay. Uh, so, it's, instead of it, of, uh, instead of The Big Bang Theory on Monday nights, they've got, you know, the usual two and a half men and this new sitcom about a fat couple called Mike and Molly that I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. I have absolutely no interest in it. But after that is Hawaii Five O, right? which is the remake of the old show. And that stars the hot Grace Park from Battlestar Galactica, who Paul knows that we've been talking about for a long time, who's where me and Josh are both in love with. <laughs> yes, yes, you two are both madly in love with her. But yeah, Hawaii Five-0 looks like it's going to be interesting. I'm not going to watch it, but, you know... What it, are you going to watch, Steve? Okay, Tell me what you're going to watch. on Monday, I am going to watch... <laughs> I'm going to watch Chuck. Chuck is coming back for what season four. Uh, yeah, I'm going to watch House, and that's about it for Monday. Uh, after House is Lone Star, which looks interesting, though. And it stars a guy who I don't know, but he, the story is that he's living two lives. He has two wives and two families, and they don't uh, know about each other. And one of his wives is uh, Tyra Collette from Friday Night Lights. Really? Yeah. So that looks interesting. And I think John Voight is in it, too. Yes, John. I did see John Voight in those uh, previews. Yeah, yeah. So that looks interesting. I, I might check that out, but I'm not sure if I'll have time. We'll see. But yeah, that's about all it from Monday. Tuesday is really a lost day. There's really nothing that appeals to me going on on Tuesday. Except maybe No Ordinary Family is a little intriguing. It stars Michael Chiklis as a dad of a family. And it's kind of like a, a real-life take on The Incredibles. Like this family just gets superpowers. And Romani Malco is in it. He's the black guy from The 40-Year-Old Version. He's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. But um, you drop yeah. these names and I don't really know where they're from until. See, you this know. is why I point them out with you know with other things that they've done and they've been in. So that, <laughs> okay, you know, I do it that, all. That, for you. that helps me. Yes. <laughs> um, Wednesday we've got Survivor, which I didn't watch for the longest time, and I just started last season. Which, to be honest, last season was the best episode of or the best season of Survivor that they've probably ever had. And How so, do you know if you've never watched it before? 
Well, I, I used to watch it religiously back when it re- first started. You know, I watched like the first seasons, the first like three seasons or so I watched every episode. And then I lost interest until they did the all-star season and a bunch of your favorites came back. So I watched mm-hmm. that and then I s- stopped watching it again. And then when this other all-star season, Heroes vs. Villains, came back last year, I-, I watched it every episode and I was thoroughly entertained. Like I said, probably the best season they've ever had. And okay. Because of that, I'm rolling over onto this year's season, which, you know, other than Jimmy Johnson, who inexplicably is doing Survivor, but other than him, everyone seems kind of dull, and it looks like it's going to be a terrible season. So, you know, really, Jimmy Johnson's the only reason to keep watching this show, and I hope he stays on. You know, as soon as he gets voted off, I might just stop watching. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, also on Wednesday, Modern Family is back. I know you watched oh, that. Oh, that's true. I do watch that one. You're right. There's a third show that I watch. Yeah, Modern Family, probably the funniest show on TV. It's I, I think it's between that and The Big Bang Theory. Those are my two favorite sitcoms right now. Okay. And so, yeah, Thursday, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, 30 Rock and The Office. Right. Yeah, 30 which, Rock. Which I've both, I've kind of given up on both of those, but uh Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I feel like they've kind of both run their course, and I wouldn't mind if they both ended their run soon. I mean, I think that's what Steve Carell realized. And Steve Carell, this is going to be his last season on The Office. Yeah, I think I, I personally have tired of Steve Carell a long time ago in that role. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, me. I'm getting tired. It's kind of the same type of humor every week. Yeah. And so I'm kind of finished with it. I mean, they can – I mean, but – the sad thing is that NBC will not cancel it because it's one of their highest-rated shows. So yeah, um, um, are you gonna watch uh, Outsourced? I'm not sure. <laughs> are you? <laughs> um, I mean, the premise. Know, I feel funny. like it. It could be entertaining just because I think Indian accents are like one of the greatest things out there. <laughs> I feel uh, like that would get old after about two episodes, though. Right. So I mean, it'll really depend on how you know good the writing is and if it's actually a show worth kind of keeping track of. Yeah. If it's um, one of those shows where the entire uh, basis of its comedy is that they use Indian accents, then it's going to be canceled pretty quickly. Then it probably shouldn't have become. It probably shouldn't have become a show in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, who who knows? Maybe the pilot is really funny. Okay. Anything else you got there? Um, no, not on Thursday. And on Friday, it's pretty pretty dead. Friday is usually the night that shows go to die. So, not a lot on Friday. I think I will watch Smallville though. I'll probably DVR Smallville on Fridays. It is the tenth and final season of Smallville, and there was a time once a long. What's upon a long time ago that I did watch Smallville, like back in season one and two. So I think I'll probably watch just for old time's sake. Ten, yeah, for old time's sake, just to finish it out. But okay, yeah, that's about it. You know, nothing else on Saturday or Sunday. You know, the weekends are going to be reserved pretty much for football at this time. Yes. So it, it's it is football season every Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So there's there's no getting around that one. Cool. Okay. We have a few. I can more tell topics. you are so enthralled by that run through of the weekly TV schedule, Paul. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, I think it was interesting. I've heard of a lot of the shows and I've seen selected episodes, but I, I haven't really gotten into them on a week to week basis. Yeah. It's also it's tough to watch on a week to week basis because like, you have to go at the pace of the show, and, you know, 
I don't know. That's why DVRs are so great. Do you have a DVR? I don't have a DVR, so... See, DVRs really change the way you watch TV, yeah, because you don't have to, you know, make it an appointment to watch. You can just record it and watch it later at your leisure. Right, but then I would actually end up watching them. Like, I would actually... I would watch, like, you know... Jersey Shore once and realized <laughs> watch Jersey Shore consistently, and then I'd actually watch Jersey Shore consistently, as opposed to just being like, "Oh, it's on right now." Yeah, but Jersey Shore. I mean, that's it's a worthwhile show to watch. I would DVR Jersey Shore. Yeah, I mean, uh, so so for the other listeners out there, Steve and I watched a few hours of Jersey Shore. I actually watched four this past weekend on uh, my flights to and from New York. Oh, really? Yeah, I watched. Uh, Two hours on the way out there, I rewatched one of the hours um, going or like in New York, and then watched another one with you also in New York. And then I on the way back, I finished that one and watched a new one. It, it worked out to be four altogether. <laughs> so are you hooked but on I, Jersey Shore now? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd sit down and like make a specific appointment, but if a rerun was on, I'd probably watch it. And it's definitely a show I could like space out for a while and just watch the fun scenes. So, but like, I'm not going to go to like MTV.com and try to find like a streaming episode of it, you know? Yeah, it's pretty hilarious though. It's, it's thoroughly entertaining. Who's your, who's your favorite character? God, that's so hard. It's, it's gotta be the situation, right? Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, the situation. He's, he's the best guy on the show. What about girl? Gee, you know, Snooki is probably the most ridiculous. But I, I think I like Wow because she's just so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty psycho. I think yeah. uh, she's scary. Like she's the scariest out of all of them. When her and Sammy fought, it was epic. That was pretty. That was pretty funny. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a show that. Uh, it's one of those shows where it's like it's just such a train wreck that you just once you start watching it, it's really hard to turn off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really eye catching. And really, all the the best parts to me are all the times they go out and the situation has a situation because yeah. <laughs> then it's just it's like hilarious the things that they do like they're so intricate and elaborate and the scheming is just really funny. Yeah, this is the worst behavior and it's just so fun to watch. <laughs> it's great. So yeah, okay. Well, that's a that's a show that you know I'm not proud to say that I've watched, but I definitely have watched before. Also. Moving topics along here. While we were in New York, we managed to watch the uh, U.S. Open with our good friend Elise. Um, how was your U.S. Open experience, Steve? Really cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I thought it was very telling that as an L.A. fan, you decided it was too cold and you just started flip-flopping sides and rooting for whichever whichever player was yeah, ahead. Okay. If people don't know, <laughs> we were... We were outside on the day matches at the U.S. Open. It was Yuzny Vavrenka was the last match of the day, and there were swirling, the swirling, howling winds the entire time. So I was just wanting to get out of there as soon as I could, and so I started rooting for whoever was ahead to finish in straight sets, or you know, just finish the match as soon as they possibly could, so we can get out of there. And we were running around looking for hot chocolate, and none of the vendors had it. And it was very annoying. But, you know, it was just fun to watch tennis. I've never been to a professional tennis match live, so that was a fun experience, even though I was freezing the entire time. I, I will say it was extraordinarily cold. I think you guys are great uh, for staying the whole time. I don't – I think Elise would have. I don't know if you would have if I wasn't there. 
Uh, if you weren't but, there, I probably wouldn't would have turned to Elise <laughs> and said, "Let's get the fuck out of here." Uh, yeah, <laughs> you guys would have gone, which is fine. But I, I appreciate you guys sticking around because I had a good time. Uh, I have to say, after watching that, it was fun. But I think the opportunity to go see like one of those really really good matches, like the one like the Djokovic Federer match. Yeah, if we could like, have gone. Awesome. That night, or, or the day after, you know, just to see Nadal or Federer and Djokovic, yeah, God, that would the have been Federer so cool. Djokovic match would have been epic, and I think, I mean, I've realized one of the things I love about sports is, like, when you're in person, the crowd makes such a huge difference, and that's why it's so cool when you go to a game where, like, the crowd's actually really into it, and for the Djokovic-Federer match, you know that the whole crowd was just, like, loving it, eating it up, like, appreciating every point and all of the all of the great rallies they had. Um, whereas with ours, you know, there was some good stuff, but it wasn't, you know, the, the names weren't as big, the shots weren't as great, so on and so forth. So that's kind of my that's kind of my new thing now is like I would love to go to a, like a I mean I'm sure I'll go to the U.S. Open again at some point, and I'd love to go for one of those like huge matches. It's just so yeah. hard to figure out which one the big some big marquee are. match. You've got to go to a night match towards the end because yeah. the night matches are where they put all the big shots. Exactly. And it w- it's like a pretty big difference where if, if you were going to see like, like let's say like it was Yuzny versus Verdasco as opposed to like Nadal versus, uh, who do you play? Well, Nadal versus Verdasco, right? It'd be yeah. a huge difference. It's a giant difference, yeah. So I think, uh, like you can't tell when you initially buy tickets, but it's one of those situations where like if you were there, like all of my greatest sports memories are like from games where like an amazing it was an amazing game but the crowd just had some sort of like electricity or energy that you know really heightened the experience so like those UC, like the UCLA USC football game where we won the UCLA like, Gonzaga game like those games all had just so much passion that you know it was really exciting and i think that that Djokovic Federer match would have been the same um so maybe maybe we'll have to take another trip out there at some point and watch a good one yeah uh, i agree but, I also think that it was pretty crazy seeing Bob Bryan because uh, that guy just dominates. Yeah, and mixed doubles, it's really not fair. He's so much better than everyone else. And didn't didn't you feel like he was like a 15 year old boy playing with like nine year olds or yeah, something? Yeah, it was unfair. Like he he's just serving so much faster than everyone serving else. Serving faster, like every volley was just like perfectly handled. He's so much bigger. Just yeah, physically, he's just physically bigger. That's <laughs> just looked like a dominant specimen. Yeah. And, uh, so that was that was kind of cool seeing Bob Bryan. I just wish it would have been like a competitive match because the Pakistani dude was like nowhere near that guy's level. Yeah, yeah. Was so. a Paki- the Pakistani dude was barely hitting triple digits on his serve, so he was not bringing it. Yeah, um, we'll have to uh, we'll have to go back some other time and catch a good match. Um, the last topic we have here, uh, actually, I saw Derek Jeter at one of the matches that I was at. But Derek Jeter yesterday. Uh, oh, I think I saw pictures of that he was with Minka, right? In the was with Minka, yes. in the box or something. Yep, exactly. Jeter yesterday got quote unquote hit by a pitch, which actually went off the knob of the bat. Did they the show act- Jeter on the jumbotron at the tennis? By the way. Uh, yeah, when I was there. So they showed. Uh, here's Derek Jeter, and of course everyone cheers really loud. Well, they just put. Up, they don't announce it. They just put it on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, when we were there, the biggest celebrity that they showed on the Jumbotron was Ralph Macchio. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that, that tells you the disparity right there. Yeah, uh, 
I think we went on a night a night match and uh, Jeter at a day game, so yeah, that's why so he's you've, you've got to see the night matches. That's where I mean, if, if it was a day match, I don't think Jeter would have turned. Around. He wouldn't have showed up. I don't think. Well, he couldn't have unless it was like an off day or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, getting back to <laughs> Jeter and his uh, quest for an Academy Award. Yes. Yeah, so Derek Jeter last night got quote unquote hit by a pitch which actually bounced off the knob of his bat and uh, proceeded to act it out for three or four minutes and was awarded for space. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? My thoughts are that I'm completely fine with it. Mm-hmm. You know, Because if you play baseball, you know that this sort of thing happens, and you do this if you're a baseball player. You try to you know, kind of smudge the rules so that you can win. I've done this in the past. I've you know, trapped sinking line drives and then held up my glove acting as if I caught it. You know, I've missed the tag on some guys and then held, my, held up my gloves indicating that I tagged them. You know, I, I've done stuff like that to kind of make the umpires think that something did, that didn't happen actually did happen. And what Derek Jeter did is no different. And so I, I have no problem with it. Baseball players do this all the time. Everyone does this. And so it's not really a big deal in my eyes. I mean, baseball is not a sport like golf or tennis where you police yourself and you call it like faults on yourself. You know, the umpires are there for a reason. They're there to police the game. You as a player are trying to win the game, doing whatever you can, except for steroids. (laughs) Steroids crosses the line, obviously, right? Yeah. I, I, for once, I'm actually on Derek Jeter's side. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Good for him for acting it out so well that he got away with it. Uh, I think, you know, honestly, I mean, like this Joe Madden like, said, you'd want anyone to do that. You would want anyone on your team to act that way as well. Right. So. This is what AJ Pierzynski does all the time, you know, and then people hate AJ Pierzynski for doing it. It, it is, it is really funny that the point that people are making is that if A-Rod had done that, everyone would have been like all over his case. Like, oh, what a like whiny baby, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Uh, if A-Rod had done it, the people would be on his case though. They'd be calling absolutely. him a cheater and. Yeah. You know, so, it's, I mean, it's a completely unfair double standard. It is definitely a double standard. So, um, But good for Jeter for getting on base there and better for the Rays because they actually won the game. That's what matters. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go to our Mary Boff kill for the week. All right. This week, in anticipation of TV coming back next week, I have three TV actresses, and they all happen to be Australian because – I've done ethnicities in the past. I've done Jewish girls. I've done Indian girls. I've done questionably Spanish girls. So now we're on to Australian girls. And the three I have are Yvonne Strahovski, who is on Chuck, Anna Torv, who is on Fringe, and Rose Byrne, who is on Damages. Now, Paul, I hope you know... I don't know any of these three. You don't know any of them? No, but I looked them up. They're hot, right? Uh, Yeah, they're all good looking. Did you, see, um, did you ever see Get Him to the Greek? No, I didn't. No? Okay. Well, Rose, Byrne was, Rose Byrne was in that movie, too. So. Okay. I have to say, I think the Chuck girl is really hot. And uh, I've seen her in ads for Chuck, so that's like the most recognizable one for me. The other two, I don't really know at all. So I'm going purely off looks here. Yeah, I don't uh, watch Fringe or Damages, but... I've seen Rose Byrne in movies, and I've liked her in every role that she's been in. Okay. But anyway, you go first. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just hijack it for me, Steve-O. I'm sorry. I'm excited. I, I can't do it. I can't I refrain can myself. I can tell. 
Um, I think I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to chuck, uh, the fringe girl. Um, I think I'm going to marry, uh, eh. see, this is tough because it's all off looks. It's all off like two Google pictures. <laughs> um, I'll marry Rose Byrne and I'll, uh, fuck Strahovski, Yvonne Strahovski. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, what's your take? I, okay, yeah. Also, Anator from Fringe, I don't watch Fringe, so I don't, and I haven't really seen her in anything else, so I don't really know much about her either. But, you know, for these three, I wanted to pick Australian actresses who are younger. I, you know, I didn't want to pick an older generation like Nicole Kidman and Naomi Watts, mm-hmm. even, even though you, you know more who they are, you know. I, not as interesting, I thought. So, you know, don't know Anna Torv that well. Got to toss her to the side. Um, I think Rose Byrne is really hot. I don't know if you ha- you've seen the movie Sunshine. Nope. About uh, a group of astronauts going to you know shoot nuclear warheads into the sun to try and reignite it because it's dying. <laughs> well, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's actually a really good movie. But um yeah she I she was in that movie and I loved her in that and I loved her in Get Her to the Greek you know. So um I think I would fuck Rose Byrne and I would marry Yvonne Strahovski because oh, I Okay, I, it's the opposite of me there, huh? Yeah, mhm. Yvonne uh, Strahovski, if you watch Chuck, you know her her character of Sarah is this mysterious bl- blonde bombshell secret agent, you know, who can kick hella ass. And is just awesome in every way. So, you know, that's probably not what she's like in real life. But you know, she, she's actually pretty tall. She's like five foot nine. She's very Australian, and I, you know, I, I just I just love her. She's great. She's a great actress. You know, she's not just pretty. She can actually act. <laughs> You're very adamant, Steve-O. I can yeah. tell you. Have so I'm I'm a question. big big Ivan Strahovski fan. Yes. Okay. I'll accept your explanation. My turn. You get to choose between Kelly Kapoor, Phyllis, whatever, or Phyllis, uh, Bob, Phyllis Vance, I guess. Phyllis maybe. Vance, she yeah. From yeah Bob and, Vance, uh, Vance Refrigeration. Exactly. <laughs> Meredith, uh, what the hell is her last name? I have no idea. I like how Creed calls her Mary Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith, uh, the office slut. Yes, the nasty alcoholic office slut. Um, <laughs> Take your pick, Steve. Oh God! I always do the I do the fun ones. Yeah, know? this is an awful one, really. That's <laughs> There's the no right That's, answer. I was gonna put Angela in there until I remembered Kelly, and I think Kelly is worse than Angela. So. Yeah, I mean Meredith is just a train wreck. <laughs> so go for it. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I think. Oh God! And you know what? All right, I, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to fuck Kelly, because really? yeah. I'm going to have to fuck Kelly, I'm going to marry Phyllis, and I'm going to kill Meredith. And I'm going to do this because Meredith is an absolute disaster in every aspect of her life. And she's not attractive. She's old. So <laughs> there's really no reason to keep her around for any reason. So she's done. Everything you said just describes Phyllis too, though, you realize. I mean, yeah, but she's Phyllis... not attractive and she's old. But Phyllis at least is nice. Okay. You know, Phyllis is is nice, so I, I feel like you know, if if Bob Vance can stand being married to her, I feel like I could out of you know out of these three women. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Kelly, 
God, Kelly's just so <laughs> annoying. So she, you obviously can't marry her. And since I've already chucked Meredith, I've got to fuck Kelly. So, you know, process of elimination there. Working backwards, I like it. Um, my take is the exact same, unfortunately. Or Uh-oh. I think it's the most logical. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Much as what you said, Phyllis is at least really nice and she means well. Meredith is just absolute trash. Like, she's just the worst. And then Kelly is really, really annoying, but you could get rid of her pretty quickly, so. Yeah, I, could, I feel like I could stand to spend one night with Kelly. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I think if the alternative was spending it with Meredith, then yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, that's... uh. That's a good one. I see. I like I like challenging us. You know, I like giving us some tough decisions. Yeah, I haven't had a three ugly chicks one in a while, so I might have to propose one next week. I don't think you've ever had one. When was the last time you had one? Yeah, I don't. I can't remember. I'd have to go back you're, to you're, the archives. You're so so one dimensional with your uh, your your hot girls only. It's I know. Very ex- I've I've been on this ethnicity train every week for you about have, the but last you know I went on like so. a I went on like a rap like a ethnicity like rap stars, you know. I didn't yeah, give you very yeah. good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, okay. Next week, you'll have to find, you know, a, a good ethnicity that is very conducive towards, uh, an attractive females. Well, look forward to it, cause I'm gonna find a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, on that note, I think that's gonna do it for us, so, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. And I guarantee you this. When I pitched, and I was going to pitch against a f***ing team that had guys on it like Bavacqua, <laughs> I sent a f***ing limousine to get the f***er to make sure he was in the motherf***ing lineup because I kicked that f***er's head any f***ing day in a week. He's a f***ing motherf***ing big mouth, I'll tell you that. <laughs>